Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon. Welcome to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, here with you today taking your calls and texts live on the air. This is the show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible or if there's anything going on in your life that you'd like to talk about from a biblical perspective or if you'd like prayer for something, we would love to hear from you. We'd love to pray for you and we'd hopefully... We can answer some of your questions and bring clarity uh, to some of those areas. So give us a call. The, the number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or text us at 720-336-0897. The text line again, 720-336-0897. We want to welcome those of you who are tuning in in Colorado and in Wyoming on Grace FM. We also want to welcome those who are tuning in on Hope FM in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Maryland. Welcome to the program, as well as those of you listening on Truth FM in Tennessee and into parts of North Carolina and Kentucky. We're so glad to have you with us. Thanks for tuning in today. Just a reminder that those of you on the East Coast and in the area around Tennessee, so Hope FM and Truth FM, you're here in this program on a one-week delay, so just keep that in mind. But uh, we would love for you to call in, and then you guys actually have a unique opportunity where you get to tune in. If you tune into your radio station a week later, you'll actually get to hear your call on the air. Uh, but for those of you who are listening on Grace FM, you're hearing the show live today. It's a beautiful Friday here in Colorado. We had uh, a lot of snow this week, but now the temperature is starting to come back up, and it's getting nice out again. Um, I know that a lot of you listen to this show as you drive, um, at least here on Grace FM, you listen to the show during drive time, and so you know that um, many of you were off the roads during the show for the, the past week, some of the days this past week. So if you are tuning in, you've maybe missed the show for a few days, maybe you've had a question, we would love for you to call us, and uh, we would hopefully be able to answer some of your questions about the Bible, things going on in your life, prayer requests you have. Give us a call. The number to call is 303-690-3000. Six nine zero three thousand, or text us at seven two zero three three six zero eight nine seven. That's seven two zero three three six zero eight nine seven for that text line. Hey, we also want to greet those of you who are tuning in online. That is just a, a really big, growing community of people who tune in online. And there's two ways you can do that. One is through our mobile app, which is available for your phone and it's available for your tablet uh, if you have it. Android device or if you have an iPhone or an iPad you can go ahead and get that app just go to the App Store or Google Play and you can just type in Grace FM as one word and as you type in Grace FM it'll come right up it's a free app that you can put on your device totally free and you can listen to this show and all the other programming here on Grace FM for free anywhere in the country and anywhere in the world and speaking of that uh, I love it the producer sends me um, kind of screenshot of, of where people are tuning in right now as we're speaking 
And looks like um, we have a lot of domestic listeners. And looks like these must be some regulars because I see, see certain areas of the country that pop up every time. But there's a few interesting ones today. It looks like we have somebody listening right now in Taiwan, somebody in South Africa, and somebody in Anchorage, Alaska. So, hey, we are so glad that you are tuning in. Wherever you're tuning in from and however you're tuning in, welcome to the program. And we would love to hear from you. Give us a call. 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000 to call in. And you can also text us at 720-336-0897. That's 720-336-0897. Again, this is a show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible or anything going on in your life that you'd like prayer for or to talk about from a biblical perspective. A few words about myself. My name is Pastor Nick Cady. I'm the pastor of Whitefields Community Church, which is located in Longmont, Colorado. And we are right downtown in Longmont. For those of you listening who um, maybe you live in Longmont, maybe you live in one of the surrounding communities like Berthoud or Mead, Frederick, Firestone, Dakono, or Lafayette, Erie, or Boulder, and Niwot, or Lyons. Um, if you are in the surrounding area or if you know someone who lives in this area, we would love it if you would come and worship with us or send your friends and family to worship with us on a Sunday morning. Our church meets in downtown Longmont at the St. Vrain Memorial Building, which is at 700 Longspeak Avenue. So 700 Longspeak Avenue. We're right on the northwest corner of Longspeak Avenue and Kaufman Street. So really right downtown. We're just one block west of Main Street on Longspeak Avenue. We're just directly to the south of the downtown park and ride, and we are on the edge of Roosevelt Park, which is our city park here in Longmont. Our services are at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings, and at our services we study through the Bible verse by verse. Currently we're studying through First and Second Peter. We're, we're presently in First Peter. We'll be doing our fifth study in this series this coming Sunday. Our, our series is called Pilgrim's Progress because Peter talks about us as sojourners in this world. I like to put it this way. He calls us sojourners on a mission. It's not just that this world is not our home and God is coming to take us to our true home and therefore we have hope, but in the midst of that, we're, still, we're also sojourners on a mission. God has a purpose with our lives that he wants us to live out and fulfill. And I was just reading, um, preparing for Sunday today, and here in First Peter chapter three, which is what we'll begin into. So it's a great section. First Peter three one through seven is what we'll be studying this coming Sunday, and Peter talks about um, husbands and wives and how we are to relate to each other. But what he he paints this picture of um, marriage as being a way that we get to live out the gospel in relationship with our spouse every single day. And, you know, I was thinking about marriage and it is, it is the one, it is kind of the ultimate relationship, isn't it? Because all the dynamics that we experience in other relationships, we experience in marriage in like an amplified way. And so like, for example, when you're married to somebody, there's an aspect of it that is friendship. There's an aspect of it that is family. That person becomes a family member. Um, that person is, is like a business partner, right? Like you own things together, you have investments together, you have money that you manage together. That person is also becomes almost like a co-worker, you know, in the sense that you, you're in charge of maintaining a house or an apartment or a car together or a family unit. 
And so all these, re it's really the ultimate relationship. And so he invites us in marriage to live out the gospel. But I, I think that's not only, not only true in marriage, I think it's true in all of life. Really, that's something that we can find throughout the New Testament is that we're called to receive the gospel and then we get the privilege of living it out towards other people. We get to forgive people as we've been forgiven. We get to be faithful as God has been faithful to us. Uh, we get to be, you know, um, we get to bring truth into people's lives just as God has brought truth into our lives. We get to humble ourselves and lift up others as Jesus humbled himself in order to lift us up. And so this is the picture we get in marriage. So we'll be studying this and we'll be studying God's, God's plan for marriage and how a, a thriving marriage works this coming Sunday. But we study through the Bible every Sunday at our church, Whitefields Community Church in Longmont. And we'd love for you to join us. You can check us out online, whitefieldschurch.com. That's whitefieldschurch.com. Com. And on there you can listen to past messages, you can find out about our staff and our leaders, you can um, find out ways that you can get involved, find out about some of our outreaches. We have a, a really great one happening right now, which I'll tell you about in just a little bit after some of our calls. But uh, God's doing a good thing here in Longmont at Whitefields, and if you're nearby or you know people who are, come and join us. We'd love to have you and love to worship with you Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. in downtown Longmont. Let's go to our first caller, Chris in Castle Rock. Hi, Chris. Welcome to the program. Hi, Pastor Nick. Thanks for taking my call. Yeah. What's up? So, um, this is me and my wife. We were we're supposed to go to a um, it's a swing dance event with my mother-in-law and her mom um, at a place. Uh, I'm not really sure where it is. Um, we were looking. It's it's kind of a restaurant barish kind of thing, and we have a one-year-old that we were gonna take with us, so my wife was looking online to see if it was family-friendly and they'd have, a, you know, child seats and stuff like that. Um, looking on the calendar, um, there were some concerning events that take place there. Uh, one in particular was a, uh, a festival of the Dark Goddess. I believe she's a Hindu and kind of like the devil. Um, and we read into it, and it's the week before our event, but... Um, it seems like almost a worship ritual at this place, and they have several events that are kind of like that, you know, meditations, kind of Eastern mysticism kind of things. So she was a little bit concerned about this. Should we be, you know, we want to we want to go and celebrate with, you know, my mother-in-law, but we don't want to be entering into a a situation that would compromise us at all. Sure. Well, I'll tell you what, I have kind of three thoughts on this. Number one, I think there's a financial aspect to it in the sense of, you know, is your concern based on this, do you want to support a place that puts on those kinds of events, right? Because if you're going there, you're showing support. Maybe, you know, if you're paying for something, you're you're showing support financially. You actually are helping fund this place that offers these events. So that's one consideration. The second consideration really gets to uh, kind of a question that is addressed in Romans chapter 14 and a few other places in the Bible. And uh, I actually, you know, yesterday was Halloween here in Colorado. And um, that's, I think this, is, this same discussion applies to Halloween. And so, so recently I was asked, you know, what is my approach to that? How do we deal with that as a church? You know, what do we say to people? 
And I think it applies here too, because essentially you have to ask a question. Um, will you go in and seek to have a redemptive influence in that place that has been used for sinful things and maybe is going to be used for sinful things in the future? Or will you say, hey, because I don't want to be influenced or contaminated or touched by that in some way, I'm going to avoid that place. Now, um, I'll tell you this, that one of the interesting things about Jesus was that Jesus, when he went into dark places, he, he did go into dark places and he touched people who were unclean and who were, you know, people who had demons, right? People who had leprosy, people who were dead, right? These are the epitome of uncleanness. And what's so interesting about Jesus is that in his power, rather than those things making him unclean, he actually went and he brought cleanliness or he brought transforming power into those situations that made the unclean clean. It made the dead come alive, right? It, it drove out demons and made people well. And if that same power is living in us, I think that we do not need to walk in fear of being contaminated, uh, but we can walk in the confidence of knowing that we have been cleansed once and for all, and that that power isn't just a one-time thing in our lives, but it now lives in us by the Spirit of God within us. Right? Jesus is living his life in and through us. We have been cleansed, and now we walk in his power. And so, that to say, um, on the other hand, if somebody says, you know, which is what people say with Halloween too, which is this, hey, I just don't want any, I don't want to have anything to do with anything that has to do with the worship of, you know, what we might agree are demons, right? Demonic entities, right? These aren't just, you know, cute pictures or statues, right? We, we believe that these things do have some degree of power and that their power is not from God, therefore they're demonic power. And that people, you know, who worship them are essentially worshiping demonic entities. And somebody might say, hey, you know what, I just don't want anything to do with that. Whether, whether I believe that, you know, even if I believe it's not going to contaminate me, I just don't want anything to do with it. And to that, I would say, I respect that. And I would say that the Bible teaches us to have a respectful attitude and basically, Paul, you know, in this whole discussion of meat sacrifice to idols, what he had where he had two groups of people. On the one hand, he had these people who were saying, hey, you know, this is the best meat. It's cheap. And, you know, demons, and he says this, demons are, are nothing, right? Like we worship the ultimate victor, the king of the universe who has, you know, destroyed the power of sin, death, and the devil. And so, therefore, I'm going to eat the meat and I'm going to do it with a clean conscience. And then on the other hand, you had other people who were like, yeah, but this meat was sacrificed to demons. Like, why would you want to support that? Why would you want anything to do with it? And Paul looks at those two arguments and he says, you know what? You guys both make pretty good points. And he says, look, here's what I'm going to say. If you can do this with a clear conscience, then go ahead. But if you can't do this with a clear conscience, if you truly believe that to do so would be to go against your conscience and sin, then don't go against your conscience. Rather, follow your conscience as unto the Lord and abstain from that thing as unto the Lord. And he said, and God will be pleased by that. And, um, and so I would say that this is in that same category. Personally, I don't think that you need to worry about anything, but I 
do respect you if you say, hey, I just have a conscience issue with this and I don't want to do it. Okay. Yeah, and so yeah, maybe I can give you some relevant verses to read if you're interested. Um, one would be like 1 Corinthians chapter 8. Another would be 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And another would be Romans 14. Okay. Yeah, I'm, you know, I know we're, we're called to be in the world, but not of the world. And I just wanted to make sure that, you know, we weren't doing something that was unnecessary. For sure. Yeah, let's let's go ahead and pray for you as you make that decision. So, okay. Holy Father, I pray for my brother Chris here and his family. Lord, I pray that you would direct them and guide them as to how they should walk in the world, particularly in regard to the situation with this restaurant that puts on Hindu ritual events, but also in regard to every other situation that they face, because I know that there are a lot of these situations that we, we come in contact with where we want to make sure that we are not... Um, crossing any lines, doing anything that would be um, damaging to us or damaging to our relationship with you, and yet we want to walk in the confidence and the power of what you've done and have that transformative attitude. So, Lord, give him wisdom with what to do, and I pray that you'd bless their family. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Nick. God bless you. you. God bless you. All right, bye-bye. Hey, you're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church taking your calls and texts live on the air today. You can give us a call at 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. That text line again, 720-336-0897. You know, getting to Chris's... um, question here. It reminds me, we teach a class here at Whitefields. We have a school of ministry that we run, and it runs. we run about three to four blocks of classes at different times during the year. And one of the classes that we run is called Christ and Culture. And it's really kind of a, a an approach to a study of you know, both the Bible and and kind of some frameworks that have been laid out based on the Bible of how we as Christians ought to relate to culture. And it really gets to one one of the things that Chris brings up. I mean, it really gets to this issue of like, how should we relate to culture? There's a great book called Christ and Culture. We took the guy's title. It's by Richard Niebuhr. Uh, Not to be confused with Reinhold Niebuhr. That's somebody else. But Richard H. Richard Niebuhr is his name. And he wrote this great book. It's kind of the seminal work on the topic, uh, which really outlines the ways that Christians have looked at Christ and culture throughout history. And he lays it out in in five ways, but he says, okay, five ways is what there are, but there are really three biblical ways. So they sit on a spectrum. The the extra two are ones that he considers to be outside of the realm of, of biblical orthodoxy. And so the three in the middle are really interesting. So on the on the one hand, he says that there are those who live as Christ and culture in paradox is what he calls them. Christian culture and paradox. And that's the view that basically says this. As Christians, we are called to live in the world, but not of the world. Everybody believes that, right? That's in the Bible. And and the question is, though, how do we do that practically? And so the one view is to say, you know, well, we are going to be as separate as possible without removing ourselves fully from the world. Like we realize that God still has a calling with us in the world, 
but as much as possible we're going to live kind of as a you might call it a subversive community right we'll live as a as a subculture within the culture uh, the other view is one that really embraces a lot of the culture you know and sees a lot of good in it and then brings the gospel in as well and then the middle view of those three is what's called Christ transformer of culture and this is a view that I, I tend to take most, which is I believe that God wants us to not just live in the world and yet not be contaminated by it, but I believe that he actually wants us to go beyond that and to have a transformative influence in the world. That he wants us to not just exist in the world without being contaminated and try to witness as much as we can, but he wants us to, in other words, not just be on the defense or be in neutral. I believe that he actually wants us to be on the offense and be transformers of culture. But hey, if you're interested in that book, um, check it out. It's by H. Richard Niebuhr. Again, not to be confused with Reinhold Niebuhr. And it's called Christ and Culture. Very good read. And you know, if you're interested, maybe some of you here in Longmont area, or if you're in Colorado, you don't mind driving. Um, I would encourage you to check out our school of ministry classes. We're starting up a new one in uh, actually this coming Monday. We are starting a new class called uh, Christocentricity, which is really about seeing Christ in all of Scripture. It's a four-week class, and these classes are open to anybody. They're free, and you would be welcome to join us, even if you're not part of Whitefields. And we would love to have you. We do it at our church office here in Longmont, and we have a classroom here in our office. And you can find more information out about that at whitefieldschurch.com. And if you look at the different tabs there, you'll find one for ministries, go to School of Ministry, and you'll find a form where you can fill out to uh, get more information about classes that we're running right now. So again, that starts on Monday. It's Christ in all of Scripture, or as we call it, Christocentricity. It's a way of reading and teaching and studying the Bible, which we believe is, is faithful to the Bible because Jesus himself, you might remember, after he was resurrected, he taught the Bible study to end all Bible studies to his disciples in which he says that starting with Moses and the prophets, he taught them all the things concerning himself. And so Jesus went through the Bible and showed them how all of the scriptures of the Old Testament had ultimately been speaking of and pointing to him and so we go through that it's a great class it's one of our favorites this is like the fourth or fifth time we've run it at our church because people take it in fact people have signed up who i know that they've already taken the class before but they're taking it again and we have room if, if you would like to be part of that check us out online whitefieldschurch.com and just uh, find the school of ministry uh, page and on that page there's a form to sign up and you can sign up and get more information or you can email us at info at whitefieldschurch.com Let's go to our next caller, Junior in Aurora, Colorado. Hi, Junior. Welcome to the program. Hello. How are you doing today? Doing well. So um, I just had, um, just wanted to kind of get your insight on something that I'm battling. So right now, I'm, um, you know, as a believer, I'm, I'm, you know, really into into church and to the Word and just tapping into my Word more and more every day with um, me and my daughter. That's kind of a thing that we do on our way to school and stuff. And, uh so I'm battling, my family knows about church, they know about the Bible, but they're kind of just lost and like kind of in the world lost and just, um, I try to get through to them, but it's just like they have every excuse, you know, why they don't go to church or, you know, they just kind of just shrug me off and I'm just trying to kind of get through to them and let them know that, you know, I, I appreciate the Lord for my salvation, and, you know, I want them to 
appreciate, you know, the the Lord for their salvation, and I want to make sure that, you know, they go to to, to heaven and not, you know, to uh, to hell. Yeah. Yeah, for sure, Junior. You know, first of all, I'm just going to encourage you to pray for them that God would open blind eyes and that, um, you know, it's this. Um, have you ever heard? You know, have you ever played the guitar? You, you can I get. actually, I, I <laughs> Yeah. So when you play the guitar, or let's say, you, you know, if you work with your hands or something, right, you can build up calluses. And mm-hmm. the Bible actually talks about calluses as being something that can develop on our hearts. And what happens is the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin, and he calls us to Jesus. And what happens is as as we go through our life, as we say no to him, or, as, you know, our God through our conscience is is getting our attention, and we harden our hearts. What happens is that over time we build up a callus to it to the point where, you know, things in the past that should have caused us to feel something, we no longer do. It doesn't mean that the Holy Spirit isn't uh, working or speaking. It just means that we've become so callous that we we are unfeeling. We're numb. And so I would just pray for your family members that God would so to say, rip off the calluses, you know, and and do something in their life that gets their attention. And, you know, you yeah. think about Paul the Apostle, that he had to get knocked down on his back and blinded in order to get his attention. And uh, um, I would just encourage you to pray those kind of prayers for your family. Open blind eyes, open deaf ears, you know, rip off calluses on hard hearts. And then I would... Um, also tell you this one of the one of the greatest ways I've found to connect with people who just don't seem to care is to touch on the the desires of their hearts you see because everybody in this world wants certain things I believe that the gospel the true story of this world is written onto our hearts everything we do is ultimately because we are seeking something which can only be found in Jesus and so I would encourage you as you talk to your your family to continue pointing them towards the fact that the things which they are longing for and desiring and working for and striving for in their lives are really ultimately only found in Jesus and any other way that they look for them is always going to disappoint them. So those are just some tips, but let's pray for your family. Okay, thank you. Father, I pray for Junior. I thank you that you have put him in that family that he's in. Lord, by your providence, by your sovereignty, you've put him there and you've called him to be a witness. And I thank you, Lord, that he's being faithful about that. I pray that you, he would have a sense, Lord, that you are pleased with him in the sense that he is doing what you've called him to do of witnessing, even if, even if people aren't responding, even if people seem to not care or to blow him off or tell him to stop. Lord, thank you that um, you are pleased with his faithfulness. But Lord, I also pray for him, Lord, that he would not only be faithful, but that he would be fruitful, that he would be effective. And we know, Lord, that you are the only one who can open blind eyes and rip calluses off of hearts. You're the only one who can open uh, deaf ears. And so, Lord, I pray that you would do that in Junior's family for his family members and that his words, Lord, they would be like seeds and that you would prepare the soil of their hearts to fall on good soil so that when the seed of the word falls in there, they would receive it and that it would spring up and that there would be much good fruit and lots of stuff to rejoice about in the future. Lord, I pray you give him wisdom with how to reach out to them. Give him a sensitivity to your spirit. And Lord, I pray that you'd lead him. And I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. You bet, Junior. God bless you.
God bless you too. All right, bye-bye. Hey, you're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. We are coming right up on our two-minute break for the mid-show break. We have all open lines at the moment, so it's a really good time for you to call in if you have a question about the Bible or a prayer request or something going on in your life that you'd like to talk about. Give us a call. The number to call is 303-690-3000. It's 303 303- Six nine zero three thousand, or you can text us at seven two zero three three six zero eight nine seven. That's seven two zero three three six zero eight nine seven. We had a ton of texts come in so far. We'll get to those right after the break. Uh, but in the meantime, hey, if you call during the break, we'll get you right on afterwards, and we'd love to hear from you. We'll be right back in two minutes' time. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Calvary Live, this is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts live on the air. Again, this is a show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible or your prayer requests, anything going on in your life that you'd like to speak about from a biblical perspective. We'd love to talk with you and pray for you. The number to call, 303-690-3000, or text us, 720-336-0897. Hey, let's go to our next caller, Marie in Pennsylvania. Hi, Marie. Welcome to the program. Hi. Thank you so much for taking the call. Yeah, what's up? Um, Well, I called because I'm dating someone who I've been dating for a couple years now, and he's been going through a custody battle. Um, He has wonderful children. Their mother is extremely emotionally, verbally abusive to them and towards him. Um, And I just wondered how to approach this, because sometimes I feel really helpless. I feel that the system is not supportive of him as a father, and she's getting away with a lot of stuff and I feel like I'm standing here praying hoping for the best I don't know as how to handle this as a Christian yeah that's a tough one I know it's really tough um, what I would suggest a few things I would suggest um, be very humble be very respectful in the way that you talk about the ex-wife the, the mother of the kids you know, here's the thing is that those kids are going to, those kids are going to grow up and they're going to see things for themselves clearly. And they're going to see, you know, your behavior too. And I'll tell you what, they will absolutely respect that. And for, furthermore, you know, you get the opportunity to train them. And I would just encourage you um, to teach them to show respect to people, even people who uh, don't deserve it because of their position. So just just this past Sunday, I taught from 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 13 through 25, in which Peter talks about authority. And he actually talks about people who are bad leaders. And he says, what should we do with people who are in positions of authority, but they're bad at it? Like, you know, what if you have a boss who's, who's a moron? What if you have a, well, let's put it this case, the mother of your husband's children is emotionally unstable? Well, here's what he instructs us to do is to show honor. And in one other place, he says, try to outdo each other with showing honor. And here's the other thing he says. He says that Jesus did this and Jesus entrusted himself fully 
to him who judges justly, which is, of course, God the Father. So what it's encouraging us to do is, is for us to do the right thing, us to outdo one another in showing honor, you know, and showing honor, for example, to the children's mother as their mother, and then leaving the rest to God to like sort out, you know, for the kids to figure out, you know, what their mom's really like and all those things, which I guarantee they will. I would encourage you probably don't uh, get involved in this unless your husband directly asks you to. Um, I would say be respectful in the way that you talk about the mom. Let things kind of play out. Let the kids figure things out on their own and just be there to be supportive for your husband. I do I do know that uh you know there are a lot of things that go on that are unfair and that mm. can be hard to watch. Thank you. Can you can you state the Bible ver- uh the scripture again? You said it was Peter, second Peter? It was first Peter chapter first Peter, two. Chapter two, verse thirteen to twenty five. Yep. And if you're right. if you're interested in listening to a study on it, our studies my, my last study is on, on the website. And it's at whitefieldschurch.com. And I kind of, you know, I'll, I'll explain that idea that I was talking about in a little more detail. I'm jotting that down. <sighs> Thank you. And I heard what you said to the other woman about um, about uh, the children, the discipline, and the passiveness. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I'm going to get that podcast that you suggested to her, too. So I just can't thank you enough. Thank you, and just God bless you, and I just really appreciate this. Awesome. Well, can I pray for you before you go? Please do. Okay. Heavenly Father, I pray for Marie. I pray for her husband. I pray for the kids that are involved in this situation who are, you know, clearly torn in in two different directions. I pray pray for the ex-wife and the mother of the kids. Lord, I pray that you would show yourself strong in their lives, Lord, that you would be there for the kids and you bring clarity where there's confusion. I pray for Marie, you'd help her to rest in knowing that you are the judge who judges justly. I pray for her husband, Lord, that you would give him patience as he feels like he's enduring injustice. I pray for the kids and and I pray for the, for the ex-wife and the mom, Lord, that she would, uh, if she is experiencing mental health problems, Lord, that you would bring healing in her life. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Have a wonderful okay. night. God bless you. Bye-bye. God bless. Thank you. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts live on the air. The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. You can also text us at 720 Nine seven eight. So our last caller there, Marie in Pennsylvania, she mentioned a call that I took about a woman and raising children in passivity. Just a reminder that that call was actually from last week's show because, of course, our listeners on the East Coast are hearing the show on a one-week delay. But she also mentioned a podcast, so I'm just going to tell our current listeners this week what that's all about is that you can get these episodes on Apple Podcasts every week. So they're uploaded kind of in a batch, usually by the end of the week. So if you go about a week after the show, you're pretty much guaranteed to get it. But if you also subscribe, if you go to Apple Podcasts, if you have like an iPhone or if you any, actually any podcast app can do it. Just type in Calvary Live. You should be able to find our podcast there. You subscribe. And as soon as they're subscribed, they'll automatically you know, you'll get a notification or they can automatically download however you set it up. So I really encourage you guys to take advantage of that. Maybe you've heard stuff on the show and you, you were driving or you missed it and you want to go back 
or you heard a really good episode you want to share with a friend, we encourage you to do that. So we podcast all the episodes on Apple Podcasts. Um, and so check that out. Let's go to our next caller, Matthew in Philadelphia. Hi, Matthew. Welcome to the program. Hi, how are you? Doing great. What's up? How you doing? Uh, so I don't want to cause any uh, controversy here on the show, but, um, you know, I've been, I've been listening to this back and forth with the John MacArthur and Beth Moore situation and obviously the, um, the LGBT community and all these things that are arising. And, you know, it just has me, has me thinking more about this gender uh, uh, situation we find ourselves in. Um, I, I'm kind of caught in the middle. I, I can understand John MacArthur's positions in terms of finding from the Word of God you know, uh, how, uh, you know, how from his interpretation, women shouldn't be in positions of leadership, pastor roles, um, you know, over men, uh, and, uh, and for, for various reasons. And then also, uh, but I have a daughter, and I, I want to encourage her, her growth and, and her leadership abilities and, and not stifle that as well. Um, and then you have this, this, this whole thing, I guess I listened to a YouTube video him last night, uh, really digging into what he was saying and why he was saying it, and, and it was because he feels that 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 God has you know written our gender into our DNA. It's 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 we're coded this way for a reason, and that when when you when a woman is position, placed in a position above a man, uh, it can become uh, you know dangerous in in that respect. One of the examples he gave was you don't see a lot of women um, as um, as plumbers. They want equal rights, but they're but they want equal rights, but for positions of power in, in different in different areas, government and you know leadership in you know pastors and different things. You're not seeing most of the plumbers out there are men. And again, I'm not I'm not a uh, an anti woman. I'm not like that at all. I just was curious about your uh, your position or, or thoughts on this whole thing that's happening. Where I, from my perspective, it feels like there's just this this really diminishing of the man in our society, and I feel it's so dangerous and. Uh, but I also have a daughter, and I want to encourage her to, to grow and to become all she can be in, in Christ and, and as, as a leader and, and, and so on. So I, I hope I wasn't confusing in my statement here. No, no, um, I'm but, very familiar uh, with this issue. It's, a, it's an issue that um, you know, is very much at the forefront, not only of our society, but I think it should be at the forefront of our churches. Uh, it's something which we need to deal with. Okay, so for anybody who doesn't know, you know, Beth Moore is a popular female Bible teacher, and she creates Bible studies which are um, marketed towards women. She's a Southern Baptist, and so, you know, theologically conservative. On the other hand, we have John MacArthur, who is an independent, um, we would probably call him a, a Reformed Baptist, maybe, um, but I know his church is independent out in California. And so John MacArthur was asked at a Q&A at a conference he was at. It was a kind of a weird setup to be honest and I don't really think it was a good one um, what his opinion so it was like a word association game they said when I say a word you say the first thing that comes to your mind which is probably not a good idea <laughs> like should we say the first thing that comes to our mind when okay but anyway so um, they said Beth Moore and John MacArthur said go home now I'll tell you this I thoroughly disagree with his tone now, while I agree with you, Matthew, that there might be some points of doctrine that I agree with uh, as regards um, leadership in the, in the church, I do not agree with John MacArthur's tone towards Beth Moore. I think that it was rude, and I think that as somebody who has a daughter like you do, I have two daughters, and um, 
I think it was absolutely the wrong wrong message to send. You can say the right thing and do it in the wrong way, and you're still wrong. Mm. And I, I think that he was. So uh, I'll mm -hmm. tell you this, though. The issue that you're talking about, he, I loved one thing that Mark Driscoll said on this topic. He said this, Society tells us that we should treat men and that we should treat women the same way we treat men. And he says, well, that's not what the Bible says. What the Bible says is that we shouldn't treat women the way we should, we treat men. We should treat women better than we treat men. Because the fact is that men don't treat each other that great. So um, uh, I think that's true. And I think that that is a great lens or a great hermeneutic to run our thing through. You know, are we treating women better are we treating them with preference um, that is what we need to be doing we need to be treating them as precious as valuable and laying down our lives for them that's what we're called to do as men and uh, you know this coming Sunday I am teaching first Peter chapter 3 in which he does speak about different roles in marriage and he speaks about how each of them reflects part of what Jesus did for us Right, So the, the wife is called to submit to the husband as Christ submitted to the father, you know, willingly and, and honoringly, right? And the husband is called to love the wife and to not just love her in words, but to love her in deeds by serving her and laying down his life for her. And so now the other issue is one of leadership, which you brought up, and this gets to something that's talked about in 1 Timothy chapter 2 and chapter 3. And um, here's what I would say on this, that there are a few more factors involved. I, I know that John MacArthur's a smart person. I know that he knows the Bible quite well. And so I'm not going to say that uh, he doesn't know these things. But um, I will say this, that this is a little bit more complicated than just reading one verse in 1 Timothy and then making a conclusion. Because there are other verses in the Bible too. And we believe that they're all inspired by God and that he's not the author of confusion. So here are a few things to take into account. Where he says, Paul says in 1 Timothy 2, he says, I do not permit a woman to teach or exercise authority over a man. That needs to be put in context. So first, first before that, he says, let a woman learn quietly with all submissiveness. I do not permit a woman to teach or exercise authority over a man. Now, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul gives instructions for women who prophesy in church gatherings. So in other words, what is a prophecy? A prophecy is when you're speaking forth a word from God. So this is done within the gathering of the church. And he tells them how to do it. They're to do it with respect. In this case, that respect was marked by a head covering in that culture. And he says, okay, do it with respect. But here's my point. Um, when we read, learn in all submissiveness and quietness, we also have to weigh that against, or not really weigh it against, we have to put it in the bucket, right, where we, we determine how this is going to work in our po church polity with like 1 Corinthians 11, where we read about somebody prophesying who's a woman with her head covered. We also read in Acts 20 about the daughters of Philip who were prophetesses who prophesy in church. So they're giving a word from God to a mixed congregation. And there were rules surrounding it. And yet, so, so how does that apply to 1 Timothy chapter 2? Here's how. You have to understand 1 Timothy 2 
in light of what immediately follows it, where Paul talks about overseers. And he talks about the role of overseers. We would call these elders. A pastor is an overseer, right? And this pastoring is what he does. It's a, you know, some, it's a teaching elder, right? And so what he's basically saying is this. He, Paul is saying he does not permit a woman to elder, right? Which means to set doctrine and to exercise um, discipline in the church. Now, we, we do want to encourage women to be able to use gifts, including the gift of teaching. And yeah, so absolutely. Look, look, here's Beth Moore, and she's teaching groups of women. I think that's a great thing. In fact, that's actually told to women what they're supposed to do. It says that the older women should teach the younger women. There you go. There's your gift of teaching right there. Is Beth Moore doing that? Absolutely. Um, and good. And so... You know, I'm part of another group that's called the Expositors Collective. It's a group that we go around do training conferences for young preachers. And we not only open it up to women, but we encourage women to come. And here's the reason. If you have women teaching in your church, or you have daughters, for example, like we do, um, who want, you know, who are gifted to teach, we want them to teach well. Now, we want them to teach within the biblical context, right? And so they're going to be teaching um, in different groups, in different areas. But we want them to do it well. We want them to do it gospel-centered wise. Right? And so there are, um, there are prophetesses mentioned in the, in the Old Testament, prophetesses mentioned in the New Testament. We have to keep these things in mind. These people even shared a word from the Lord to mixed congregations, and yet they were not. They were doing it under the headship of the elders right so i think these are the factors that we need to keep in mind with this um, and i would say my issue with john MacArthur and what he said to beth moore is is his tone but i also disagree a little bit with some of his um you know his practicalities with it yeah yeah that was really well said i, I actually very much appreciate the the reference verses he gave and and other things um I would just ask a, a minor follow-up question. Do you, do you do you see some of this this diminishment of the gender and some of these other things that have begun to happen? And, and I, I, again, I don't want to get into some very controversial issues. Uh, so much to, to bring heat to you guys on this on the radio. Oh, <laughs> but, you're fine. but I just yeah, I just feel you know, I just I I feel like I'm looking around and. And I just feel like there's so much of this blended unicornness of of what's happening everywhere, and it's it's just like yeah, we're 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 just uh, we're it's like we're we're slapping God in the face and, and saying that we don't have uh, you know that that his his creation is wrong in some cases, or or that we you know we're trying to 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 blend together, uh, and uh, and I know I, I'm bringing up two separate things here, so I'm. Sure. No, that's but, um, fine. Because here, here's the other thing. I'm actually reading another book right now, just trying to, you know, trying to understand something. There's a really good book written by David. Uh, I think actually I can't remember his first name. His last name is Yarmouth, and the book is is about understanding gender dysphoria, and it gets to this issue you're talking about. You know, this blending. You know, what causes this? What are the cultural influences? Now, this guy's an evangelical scholar from Wheaton College. It's definitely written from a Christian perspective for Christians, but it's about understanding gender dysphoria and so I, I'm reading this book because I want to understand this issue because it's a it's an important issue for us to be able to speak into culturally and if we just speak into it and say 
that's bad, then that's just not a good enough argument, right? Like, we, we need to understand the issue. Well, one of the points that this guy, I think his name's David Yarmouth. I know that's his last name. He brings up is this. He says, one of the issues that people like, for example, this is really what John MacArthur's talking about, is he be they believe that gender is part of being created in the image of God, and therefore an attack on gender is ultimately an attack on God. In other words, it's sacrilegious to blend genders or to go away from gender roles. Now, I, the only caution I would give in that is that I, I, I don't disagree with that. I think that's right. I think that our gender differences are, are very much tied to the image of God and how God has created us to image him differently. That's really important. But here's the other thing I would say, is that much of what we call gender, so in this book he encouraged us to understand that in the modern vernacular, sex refers to biological differences and gender refers to cultural differences between men and women, how men and women relate to each other in a cultural setting. And, and a lot of times in a lot of the discourse, especially amongst uh, evangelicals, that, that differentiation isn't made clearly enough. But here's, here's my point, is that I would just caution in saying, okay, which things are gender specific, which things are truly an attack against God, and which things are rather just, you know, they, they're not issues that we need to be too worried about. Like, for example, if you have a boy who wants to play with dolls, should you tell that boy that he can't play with dolls because that's what girls do, or is, is playing with dolls a cultural thing? Right, that's, I'm not going to give an answer right now. I'm just saying that's one of the questions we need to answer. I, is it if for a man to wash the dishes after dinner? Is that a way of serving his wife or is that a usurping of gender roles? In my opinion, that would be a cultural expression of a gender role. You see what I'm saying? So Got as it. we answer this question, and I'm kind of not giving you a black and white answer. What I'm kind of giving you is a principle to follow. What I encourage you to do is try to differentiate between, okay, what are the ways in which God has created us differently as men and women to image him by design and which ways are rather just cultural expectations of how men and women act. Those, that's what we need to differentiate. I'd say the cultural differentiations are up for grabs, so to say, but the ways in which we image God uniquely are not up for grabs. That is actually an issue of sacrilege. Got it. That's very clear. Cool. Hey, uh, I really appreciate the thoughtful question, and um, God bless you. Thank you so much for taking it. Appreciate it so much. You bet. God bless. Bye-bye. Hey, listen to Calvary Live. We are in the last eight minutes of our show. We've got a few callers on the line, and let's go to our next one, Michelle in Maryland. Hi, Michelle. Welcome to the program. Hi, Pastor Miss Lady. How you doing? I'm doing great. What's up? Yes, I'm calling to ask a question about the scripture in Ecclesiastes chapter nine, because um, it says in uh, chapter nine verse nine, chapter nine verse ten, our power for a job is rehabilitation service, division of doors in Baltimore County. And I'm waiting on the job coach, and he's going to contact me for this job because I got to apply. But um, I'm reading chapter, Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 10, it says, in verse 10, it says, Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. For there is no work, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave, whither thou goest. 
And then um, verse 11, it says, As he turned and saw under the sun that the race is not to the swift, nor, to, nor the battle to the strong, neither yet bread to the wise, nor yet riches to men of understanding, not, nor yet favor of, of men of skill, that time and chance happen to them all. Um, okay. So what was your question that I can answer for you? Yes, well, um, I need prayer for God to give me a job so I can mm. go back to work so I can hear some other income coming in so that I apply for you can pray for me that God show favor to me for the people to contact me this month. Absolutely. Let's do that right now. We, I have a few other callers, so I want to move along. So I'm going to pray for you right here. Heavenly Father, I pray for Michelle. I thank you, Lord, for her diligence in seeking to find work and for her her desire to honor you with whatever her hands find to do. So, Lord, I pray that you would provide her with a job so that she might work for your glory. Lord Jesus, thank you that you were one who worked for us. And, Lord, we want to do our work as unto you. So, Lord, I pray for her that you would bless her with a job. And I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you, Michelle. Thank you for calling in. All right, bye-bye. Hey, you're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. I uh, have a few text messages that I really want to get to before the end of the program. So let's look at some of those. Here's, a, here's one. It says, Recently my sister sent me a text telling me that she married her significant other after being married for 30, or after being together for 30 years. How should I respond to that as a Christian? Well, it sounds like your sister is not a Christian, but here's what I would tell you is that in every way we want, I personally think we should celebrate and encourage when people do the right thing in God's eyes. Even if they don't yet know the Lord, we want to encourage them and say, hey, I'm so happy that you decided to get married because you know maybe you say this in some way that's tactful and wise, but you say that you would like you know to do everything you can to encourage them to follow God's will and do what is honoring to God in their lives. And you use any of these opportunities that come along to encourage them to do the right thing, to make a move towards obeying God, submitting their lives to God. And, um, you know, one thought I have about this is, you know, that, that by giving their lives to the Lord, I just recently heard this thing that Greg Laurie said about Kanye West, and I loved it. He said, hey, I applaud anybody who makes a move toward God. And I thought that is such a good attitude, right? Like, let's applaud your sister and tell her, hey, as a Christian, I am so glad to see you getting married because you know that marriage is a picture of God's love for us. He is faithful to us. He loves us. He forgives us. He does all these things. And in marriage, we get the opportunity to live that out and experience it in relationship with somebody else. So I hope that your marriage draws you closer to God. That's what I would say to her. And God bless you as you're seeking to uh, shine that light for your sister. Thanks for texting in. Let's go to another text message. Someone asked, who wrote the book of Ecclesiastes? I was told that there could be multiple authors. So uh, is it my understanding that Solomon, er, sorry, you said, it is my understanding Solomon wrote the book. However, my friend told me that it was common for kings to take credit for other writings, um, kings owned everything in a kingdom. Yeah, basically there are two views on Ecclesiastes. The traditional view is that it was written by Solomon and kind of a more recently come about view is the view that 
the book of Ecclesiastes is really like the musings of several kings of Jerusalem or of Israel or Judah, I guess the southern kingdom. There's the musings of these kings that were kind of compiled and put into one book. Uh, here's why I stick with the traditional. I'll give you two reasons why I stick with the traditional one. The Jewish people never thought that, right? The Jewish people always considered Ecclesiastes to be written by Solomon. And I think it's kind of, there can be kind of a, I guess you could call it like an arrogance that comes about that we, we have this historical arrogance. We're like, somehow we come along 3,000 years later and now we're smarter than everybody. And we say, oh, well, I don't care that for 3,000 years, the Jewish people, who, by the way, were closer historically to the time of its writing, um, said that this book was written by somebody. I think it was written by somebody else. So I think that's a bit arrogant. The other thing I would tell you is that I, I believe this is written by one author because there's a cohesiveness to it. There is a narrative. And this narrative is very clear in the book. Here's the narrative. And I'm running up against our last minute of our show. So here's what it is. The narrative is that Solomon sought fulfillment in women, in parties, in money, in power, in everything that everyone in the world seeks fulfillment in. And in the end, he said, it is all vanity. And here's the thing I'll tell you about Ecclesiastes. This is what confuses so many people. They want the conclusion of the book, but the book ends without resolving a problem. It creates a tension that it does not resolve. And the resolution of that problem, the problem of fulfillment, is found in Jesus. We talk about this in our Christ and all of Scripture class that we're going to start on Monday. Hey, God bless you. You've been listening to Calvary Live. My name is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. Check us out online, whitefieldschurch.com. And we'll be with you again next week on Calvary Live. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's Word.